Hello, extra time. Point to the league, not to get a hold because it, it damages your reputation. It, it makes people, when they read it, just laugh at you. Single block, they're playing in the league one, and they're playing in Europe, and they're playing in the game in this country. Maybe we should next to the Canadian, the man is you're very welcome to the Extra Time Sportscast. Myself, Declan Maron, joined this week by Dave Donnelly and Mark Dara Ferris. Lads, hope you're in good form. I was about to talk this show up in terms of, you know, everything went off without, went off without a hitch. We had Watch LOI, which looked to be a resounding success bar. A couple of little patchy moments in the streams, a red error message and a little bit of audio troubles at the start. Unfortunately, it hasn't gone off without a hitch because we've just today, before we're going to record, had the, the news come true that Waterford Sligo was postponed due to essentially a potential COVID test for, for one of the Waterford players. As a result, this game uh, won't be taking part tomorrow as it is recording on a Monday. So we're going to have to talk a little bit about this. We have got Ronan Cochran coming on the show later today as well. Ronan, I, I had planned to get him on a little while back. We spoke to him a good while ago for some little FIFA tournament and I wanted to get him on a while back, but I figured oh, he's got a game tomorrow, so I shouldn't, I should leave him be. Uh, but not going to be the case now. So hopefully we get a bit of reaction from Ronan as well on that. But, just in front of me here, lads, I've got Waterford's statement. I'll, I'll just talk a little bit about that. At 8.45 this morning, uh, a player from our senior team reported to the club doctor with flu-like symptoms and has been sent for testing immediately. We're awaiting the results of the test. Uh, until the results of the test are known, the club will cease all operations, including training and staff meetings. So, concerning stuff, uh, it, it seems like this might be one of the rare cases of a league restart that has been damaged by this. We, we were talking a little bit off off air before we started recording about trying to recall uh, too many other leagues doing this. There hasn't been, there hasn't been any. Oh, yeah, I just saw Con Murphy was tweeting out. Con has been doing commentary on the Portuguese league. So he was saying there was a player at Benfica, um, David Tavares, who tested positive. So when he went into quarantine, Benfica were able to play the rest of the games. Obviously, everyone else had been tested and been clear as well. So, um, you know, whatever statement is, it's saying that it's not a confirmed case. So, Hopefully, you know, it is just uh, regular flu, if we can call that. But um, both myself and Dave were actually at, at four games over the weekend. And Dave was at that Sligo-Waterford game as well. So, oh. like, we would have gone through protocols to attend the game. So, I know I was talking to the one of the COVID officers. All the clubs have one at, at the games. Um, uh, and on Saturday, you know, there was 193 people at that Shamrock Rovers-Finn Harps game. So, everyone going in, they had the name, they had the number. Um, before you went into the ground, you had to have your temperature tested. Everyone, bar the players on the field and the managers on the bench, everyone else is wearing a mask. So the subs were sitting up in the stands wearing masks as well. Um, I'm going down to the St. Pat's Derry City game this evening, so I had to do a, just a survey monkey, you know, going through a few things, just making sure that I was healthy enough to go to the game. So, you know, the, everything had been put in place, a lot of work. Um, put in place so um you know there's no suggestion that something came up at the game just you know these things can these things can happen but we put all the mechanisms in place certainly at the games that I was at Dave maybe you can talk about the couple of games you were at as well and and uh, you know these things just happen how are you feeling Dave actually because that's concerning you no no sniffles about yourself uh, I always have sniffles so it doesn't really uh... <laughs> Hard to, hard to tell, but no, I don't have any symptoms of any sort. I wasn't um, wasn't actually around any players. Uh, I interviewed John Sheridan after the game, but uh, keeping my distance, obviously. But uh, I don't know. It, uh, does it, uh, what do you call it? The um, not security, but the um, precautions that were being taken in Talk Park were fairly um, extensive. I know I got my temperature taken going in, and it was a very healthy thirty six point four. Um, and I assume all, all the players did as well. So whatever whatever player it is who is displaying these symptoms, he probably wasn't displaying them that day. So it's hard to, hard to really know. But um, I suppose just to, to comment on, we don't know who the player is and we don't speculate on who it is. But um, it's, uh, I suppose it's good that they were responsible enough to actually bring it up to people and, and make sure everybody knows that um, there's no danger of maybe... Uh, any potential case spreading anymore because we know it's been a problem uh, around the country recently with um, people maybe displaying symptoms and not going straight in and getting tests. So uh, it's 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 a, a good thing from that perspective that the player has um, brought it to everyone's attention. And it's just worth noting that the player didn't play in the match. They travelled with the match they squad, but they um, but they didn't play in the game. 
that being said, should we be concerned? I mean, we, we might, it might happen by the time we're done recording here even, but you would imagine Finn Hark, Shelburne might be under threat then considering Shell's played Waterford. You can't really guarantee that none of the players... I know the player wasn't on the pitch, but... The teams didn't actually come into contact with each other apart from on the field. Um, Shell's tr- uh, changed in their usual dressing rooms and Waterford changed, changed down in the bar, so there was no... There was no real contact between the two squads, from what I know. And similarly, in Oriel Park on Friday night, Dundalk trained in their, you know, the training centre, and um, St Pat's were changing in the dressing rooms below the the main stand. So that that was typical. I saw the the match officials came out from another entrance in Tallaght Stadium. I think they might have been changing in the Glenmalure suite or came up that that um, that entrance. And then, you know, a lot of people were going to talk about watch LOI. People would have watched the games. Um, over the weekend, they would have seen the teams went in separately at halftime and they came out to, to warm up. It was at a, a separate distance as well. So, um, so, so that were, they were the methods that were put in place on match day. People will be asking a little bit about why it is that League of Ireland game gets postponed when we, as you said, we kind of had games elsewhere in the Premier League, even as a good example. Waterford, had, or Watford even, it's Waterford on the mind, Watford had players, um, you know that looked like potentially had COVID or were being tested for COVID and there was no games postponed on that side. I suppose this is probably a little bit different in that we've got, what, like two days to the game before this test come yeah. out. Um, so maybe we would have seen this at a couple of other clubs. But yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know really if there's anything, if it's just some bad luck or if there's anything really any of the clubs could have done to avoid this. But it seems like everyone's followed protocol and and as a result, this will, I suppose, just push this game. We might get a few more midweek games out of it, McDarrett. It was one thing we were saying we're not going to have. Yeah. Hopefully, we push this one back and get a midweek game. But look, that, considering that's sort of happening as we record here, we'll, we won't uh, go too much further on that. What we will do is we'll talk a little bit about Watch LOI and what it's been like reporting from empty stadiums. Your reactions on that, lads. I, I thought all went, as I said at the start, you could see the absolute tirade of uh, people on Twitter going mad about the audio for the first two minutes when uh, Derry... And and Sligo kicked off, and it was one of those things. Everyone calmed down. We all know it's not going to be like this for ninety minutes. There's no need to get really wound up. I thought all in all, from the games I watched anyway, it, it went quite well. There wasn't too many audio troubles overall. It was a little bit skippy, but that happens with with the best of streams, I think, at times. And uh, I, yeah, no complaints on my side. Yeah, I know. I was actually, so I watched the games on Friday. I know Dave, you were at a match, so um, so yeah, I enjoyed the experience as well. It, Bar, oh my God, they better get this right after about kind of 10 minutes of thing. Seemingly, the crowd noise has been pumped in in the ground. So Derry City were playing crowd noise over the PA. So seemingly, that was what the story was. Oh, really? So, yeah. So, um, but eventually, I don't know, maybe they just turned it down or they were able to do it. But yeah, so most of us, bar Dave, just turned into those fans we hate, those people who just support their team, watch them on TV. Or I was saying... You go full hog, you go bar stealer if you wanted to go down the pub and pay for a nine euro dinner and watch a game over 105 minutes. But um, but yeah, it was good to see. I thought the so the first game Adrian Eames did come, she was on his own, but they had, you know, they had, uh, you know, he, he he did a very good job on the day. They had replays, they had zoomed in bits and pieces. So no, it was good. And then the second match was also live in RT, so that had the kind of multiple camera. It was Pat Fenlon up in the gantry in Oral Park with um with George Hamilton commentary, but um, uh, I think what was what I think what was quite powerful as well, watching on on the games and particularly being at a match over the weekend was the players kneeling in support of Black Lives Matter. Um, you know, just we had photographers kneeling, I think, at every game extra time had, and uh, just looking across the photographs from all the matches, it was quite powerful. But I did laugh that there was one of the Finn Harps players who had forgotten they were doing that, I and mean, the and Neil Doyle blew the whistle off. He went into the Shamrock Rovers half and then quickly <laughs> kneeled down, which I had seen in a couple of other games as well. Um, at a match I was at on Sunday, Adriana Real was the referee. And just before he blew up, uh, blew for a kickoff, he went, lads, we're going to be taking the knee. And so everyone everyone knew. But I thought that was quite powerful as well, just ahead of kickoff. So I think they're going to do that for a number of matches um, over the next couple of weeks. All season, yeah. Dave, how did you find? Um, I suppose reporting from games number one because it's it's a it's not a totally new experience not having a, a massive crowd at, at every this league. This is of the Ireland. League of Ireland, and yeah, Dave, where yeah. were you on Friday night? The UCD ball. There you go. Right, so not a massive change for you in that regard, but in terms of, um, I, I actually looked up their their recent attendances. I counted, 
I think about 36 people, including players, um, in the stands, um, uh, which isn't too far off. I think their last attendance was something like 250. So it's not it's not a million miles away, but it's uh, yeah, it kind of with the spacing out, it actually the ground looks more full than you think. Um, so it's in in terms of volume, I guess the the normal the the UCD ultras were still there, so that they still had the the four lads making a bit of noise. So it wasn't really any different from my point of view. Um, I think uh, there was a because of the the venue that UCD um, play in it is kind of possible to kind of sneak around the stadium and catch a view of the game. And I think our, um, our Dempsey found out that his, his dad and his brother were um, hiding behind a mesh fence at one point watching the match. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a different atmosphere, I suppose, but it's a, yeah, it, it wasn't too, it didn't feel too weird. I don't think, uh, even though obviously you'd, you'd miss the fans being around you as well. It was exactly what I wanted to say. I said this to you last week, Matt Garris, so we do have to give a shout out to those other three. I think it was three Longford fans. Maybe it was three UCD fans. Longford, Longford had, had tweeted that it was three Longford fans, so I'm going to believe them in that regard. But no, um, I, I, think, I think I know who they are and they are. Fair enough. Um, I, I, you know, shout out to those lads because it was exactly what I wanted to see. One of them even to the point where it was like um, Wilson from Home Improvement, a proper just like nose and eyes, like not even the arms or them hanging about or leaning on anything. It was very much like, the most minimal view. You couldn't even get your full head over the fence. So really appreciate that. But Ortiz coverage picked up, uh, or sorry, Watch Out Eyes coverage picked up a guy just watching from his front door in Derry because you, <laughs> you could look over. But I, I, I think, joking aside though, I actually don't think we should condone that. Like, really don't want people coming to, um, coming to the games. I think there's enough for the clubs to be organising. So I'm going to get my high horse and maybe just make that point, you know. That's fine. But now, I haven't said that. Of course, I was at two games over the weekend, so yeah. but I did have the experience of watching on the television. But I think, um, you know, there's a reason why these things have been put in place. You know, absolutely. But I don't see the harm as you said in just one or two here or there. But as you said, if you start seeing people piling up, you absolutely don't want that. And if people are able to watch it from their front door and we get photos sent of that, uh, I'm, I'm all for that. But yeah, Rocky I think he had a great photo from that <clears throat> from the Rovers Harps game of. Uh, I think it was three local teenagers trying to climb over one of the, or not trying to climb over, but standing up on one of the gates and Tala trying to get a view. <laughs> I think all in all, we'd say though, pretty pretty successful start for Watch LOI. I see a lot, like generally the reaction I've seen is good. Everyone seems to be saying they don't want to go back to a time without it now. Again, we'll talk more about it as it goes, as, as time goes on. Like I watched a couple of games back even, the Super Sunday game between Cork and Bowes and, and I watched that back and it was ideal just being able to click in and, Go straight into it. It's beautiful. But let's talk about a few of the games then. Sligo, massive win for them. And on, on the first Watch LOI experience, a vital win back. I thought uh, Derry looked very, very sluggish at times. But Sligo looking sharp. And, and this is without Junior. You're kind of going, oh, maybe they didn't need that expensive transfer. They might be all right. <laughs> they were well deserving of, of the win, I thought. Yeah, Declan Devine talking afterwards. Um, he was very disappointed with how his, his team played. That's like uh, three defeats, I think, in a row. Obviously, either side of the break as well. But, uh, um, you know, they got a chance on Monday night to to get back home and they, they travelled down to Pats. One thought, of those yeah. things, though, um, Barry had a month longer than any than anybody bar the other European teams to train. And they, <clears throat> looking at that game, they don't seem to have particularly come out of it in, yeah, with any advantage over any other team. Certainly not Sligo, who looked... A much improved team, even though they they haven't brought in junior yet. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a strange one from Derry's point of view because if you look at their five games, um, if they hadn't got that offside equaliser in injury time against Finn Harps, they'd be looking at four losses out of five, which is very unusual for a team that I think a few of us would have picked for a top four finish this year. Mm. Just on the the training, Robbie Benson made that point um, after the game in. Oriel Park that he he felt Dundalk were maybe a little bit sluggish because they had so long to train as opposed to Pats coming back because Dundalk had were able to train earlier because there were there was talk there was going to be a top four um competition. So I thought that was an interesting point that Robbie Benson made who uh, came back to haunt his uh, haunt his old club. Absolutely. Just on that Sligo game, um even when when you're saying sluggish is one thing, there was a little bit of timidness at times from Derry, I thought as well. You look at the goal from Colin McFadden, which 
you'd expect it to be a tongue-twisting name the odd time for commentators, but Ames did a great job, I thought, of having to repeat that about five times after the goal. But he, he met Donald's uh, cross for the corner brilliantly. But you do feel at times, you're like, oh, somebody impede him, you know, stand in his way or, or not. Maybe he was just able to shove everyone out of the way. But just watching it back even today, I thought somebody should be standing in his way, just impeding his run a little bit better there. Uh, Cockman obviously scored from the spot then. I thought he was magnificent at times. He looked really, really sharp. And we'll talk to him a little bit about that later. His first touch at some points in that game was, was excellent. I'm not sure if you saw the, the Sligo tweet stream this man on Watch LOI before we put him on OnlyFans, uh, which is an interesting <laughs> one. Um, I'm not sure about putting someone on OnlyFans. I don't think that's how it works. That sounds, doesn't sound consensual, if you ask me. We might ask Ronan about that later on. Dundalk, meanwhile, a little bit of sluggishness you mentioned yourself, McDara. They, I mean, I mean, let's start with Pats. I don't want to start off with Dundalk. Pats look really sharp. I was very surprised by this. I've been talking to a few Pats friends of mine saying, Stevie O'Donnell is getting a lot of credit for having done not a whole lot yet. You know what I mean? A lot of people seem to have him built up as this or that. And, and that's just purely just watching games so far. I'm like, wait to see a few more games, I suppose. And uh, from that, I changed my mind completely. I'm Georgie Kelly into that team now. And they will be absolutely flying. They, they look like they're really, really good. Is it a bit too harsh to say about Dundalk that while they have a lot of good players, a lot of match winners and often better players in the team, that they look a little bit unremarkable and maybe have done for a while? I was saying that, you know, there's been times, the odd time when Dundalk have not played well, you know, they've been able to get a win. And when they got a, like, they got handed nearly a goal from, from Pats, it was a very uh, bad defensive error. And you thought when they won one, they look, that'll be it. But Pats, um, Look back pretty much straight away and Robbie Benson scored. But throughout the game, they really pressed Dundalk hard. They, they hassled them. Um, and I think anyone watching the games would have, uh, I think the um, the likes of Jordan Gibson and, and David Titoff who came in, they looked to be decent players as well. So, like, Stephen O'Donnell seems to have brought a couple of extra players in. Yeah, and, and he wasn't able to play Georgie Kelly because of the loan arrangement from Dundalk. Um, so, you know, I, I'd seen... Pats play Waterford on the season and, and, you know, hadn't been great that night. So, um, but yeah, they started off, bar getting a win, they did everything else they could have done on the night. I thought they looked, a couple of players, you mentioned Benson, I thought he looked excellent, which is great to see because I, I was a little bit worried having seen, you know, the sort of reoccurring injuries. And you start getting a few niggly injuries here and there after a serious injury and you're always worried for a player like that because he's magnificent to watch when he gets going. He's brilliant. Him and Jamie Lennon in particular, I thought Lennon was so good in the middle um, up against uh, some, some top-class players. But uh, you, you know what I'm getting at with Dundalk without trying to be too harsh on them? If you look at, like, you know, Flores, Duffy, all these, like, match winners in their own right, and you've got the, the, the power and the sort of reliableness of Huben up top. So they have got players, like, as you said, when they're playing bad, they can still score and win and, and get through games. But I just feel like, I can't remember the last time I kind of came away being impressed with, with some of the stuff they played, you know? Like, even that night, the, the, the Shamrock Rovers game, the 3-2, earlier in the season, I was like, they should have been beaten even worse in that game, I thought. I don't think they've yeah. shown, they haven't shown what they even showed last year in terms of just being able to, you know, they're, they're probably a more functional team than they were when Stephen Kenny was in charge. Vinnie Perth is his own coach, has his own style. Um, but this year, they, so far, they haven't really shown the attributes that they showed last year. Uh, I know they had a difficult start to the season last year, but it, does, it feels a little bit different this time. It doesn't kind of feel like they're like they're getting back to the level that they have shown they can be at, and particularly particularly on the opening day against uh, Shelburne, I felt I I can't remember seeing a, a Dundalk team in years that make that many basic errors in a game, and they don't quite look like the the um, the complete unit that they were before. Like, I'm sure with David McMillan back and everything like that, they're they're fully capable of getting it back together. But at the moment, they're not really they're not really on that level. And with only 18 games, only 12 left this season, I think the it's a limited window of time for them to actually you know make that improvement and you know get back that five six points that they that they need to overcome Rovers at this point. Mm. Just a quick word on Kolovic as well, because again, Mark Darren mentioned how interesting it to watch him last week, and I thought even though he didn't play the whole game, he looks a serious addition to that team. There was, there was one move in particular, he did a bit of a run, I think beat a player or two, and hit this amazing crossfield ball to Duffy. And that's going to be a serious combo. If he's cutting inside and hitting Duffy, who's running into the box, that, 
that'll be a frightening one now for, for other teams to have to deal with. Let's talk quickly about, about Shamrock Rovers because we're going to hear from Stephen Bradley in a minute here. But they're picking up where they left off, McDarrett. Looked a, a relatively straightforward one for them. Yeah, it was. Like, they were well on top. And when they went 3-0 up early enough in the game, it was like this could be a bit of a bit of a rout. Like, Ollie Horgan had come with his team and essentially played five of the back. Um, but Rovers kind of sat off in the second half. And, and we'll hear Stephen Bradley talking about it. But, you know, he was saying that was... He was asked about myself and Nusheen Langham were talking to him afterwards. And Nusheen asked him about the experience of, you know, this game behind closed doors. And what he... Uh, picked up on was um, this, the, his Rovers' poor second half performance. He said it wouldn't have happened if there was crowd here. He said that the fans would have got them got on their back and would have let them know and would have got them going. I think um, you know we spoke last week about home wins. So there was there was you know ten games in the league this this weekend. There was only one was a home win, and that was Shamrock Rovers. The average normally it would be uh, four at every ten ten games. So I know it's a small pool of matches we're talking about, but I just thought that was a interesting point that Stephen. And Bradley made about it, um, and there was a couple of, uh, you know, a couple of players that he's brought Aaron Bulger back in on on loan. Graham Burke had extended his loan deal, so Greg Bulger was at the game with a, one of the massive casts on his uh, on his um, kind of ankle and shin because he had to have uh, leg surgery. So, um, but yeah, Rovers were very impressive. Jack Byrne uh, scored the free kick. Everyone was seen. He's got two assists. Stephen Kenny was watching on. There was a, a a big crew from the FBI there. Mark Scannon, the the new League of Ireland director, was at the at the game as well. Um, but yeah, basically kind of picked up where they where they left off. But you know, a home game against the Finn Arp side that they'd beaten ten games in a row. You know, that was exactly the kind of game they wanted just to ease themselves into. McDara, just on the on the on the sound uh, or the noise aspect of it. Um, I was I tuned in expecting that I'd be treated to. 90 minutes of um, the symphony of Ollie Horgan and Paul Hegarty um, shouting uh, at every everything that moves on the pitch. Um, I don't know how it sounded in the stadium, but uh, I didn't get what I paid for. Uh, well, I think Hegarty was suspended, so that maybe is your disappointment there. No, there was plenty of there was plenty of Ollie. Yeah, the <laughs> the only thing is that I think in Tala the camera. Cameras over the far side, so maybe that's where the microphones were. So maybe didn't you didn't get the full, the full experience? But there was plenty of blue language from, from all managers uh, during the and players during the the matches. So what you're telling me is that I can look forward to, to, hearing the best of Ollie in future. Yeah, yeah, home well, games. That's where you want to tune in for. Well, let's hear from Stephen Bradley right now then, um, on on your post match interview. Stephen, you must be delighted with. The, the win, the three points, uh, maybe disappointed you actually didn't kick on maybe in the second half. Yeah, yeah, we were, uh, I thought first half we were outstanding, the tempo and how we played and uh, delighted with the three points, would have taken before the game 3-1 but uh, I think you're right, second half uh, we can definitely be better in terms of we'll be sloppy and slow but I think that's the effects of, of the long layoff and the long break and I think the players knew that and they're happy to win but second half wasn't us like and it was a great free kick by Jack Byrne. Yeah. He also two assists as well for the other two goals. So he played really well today in front of Stephen Kenny was here watching on. Yeah, that's that's what Jack does, isn't he? He has that quality. He's, he's uh, that's why we got him on the pitch today. He hasn't trained a lot in the last few weeks. His back's been at him, but um, that's the reason you get him on the pitch because he, he wins you the game in the first half. So uh, he got tired and and we got him out. But um, no, he was excellent. His free kick was cool. real quality. And you have the opportunity of making five subs. Does it make much of a difference? Like, what does it change your thinking than normal matches? It's great. Um, my opinion, it's great because it, you have so many options in terms of uh, changes. Like, you know, it's fantastic. When you look at our bench today, it was really, really strong. Um, and it's still something to come back into. So it gives us great options. And you got a chance to give Dean Williams a couple of minutes, I think. Maybe only his second appearance as the first team with a yeah. competitive game. He's unfortunate not to start, to be honest, Dean. He's been brilliant. Um, and uh, it was really, really tight decision whether to play him or not. Um, he's unfortunately didn't play, but uh, Dean, Dean's a player that, at this club that we rate really highly, and he'll score goals for us in this season and, and in the future. He's a real quality player. What was it that really impressed you about your team today in the 3-1 win against Van Harps? I thought first half we were brilliant. I thought our, our energy, our tempo, our sharpness on the ball, uh, and the first half was really, really good. I thought we couldn't have asked him much more. Uh, 
scored three goals and, and I played really well. Obviously, disappointed with the goal we gave away, and the second half was was uh, like I said was below par, but a tough first half there, excellent. How did you find the whole experience, being on the sidelines, not having fans? Because like we all built it up in our heads, and we all knew it was different. And but until you actually go through it, I, I, I don't think you actually kind of realise what's happening, what's going on. Yeah, no, it is. It's obviously different. Where I think it takes effect the second half, and we have that little lull. That wouldn't happen if we had five, six, seven thousand here because they'd let you know and they'd be on your back and they'd get you going. And I think that's where, uh, for us as the home team, we've got to understand that when that lull comes, that the crowd isn't there to, to help us through. So uh, that was definitely different, um, and we need to learn to adapt to that quickly. As you say, three goals in the first half, none in the second. Is that disappointing? Do you put that down to anything? What do you make of it? Uh, just in general, the second half we weren't good. Um, I felt second half we were, we were a bit sloppy and slow and everything we done and our scissor making was off. Um, so if you play like that in the second half, you're, you're not very really you're going to score goals. So, um, look, but like I said, it, it's good to have that when you're 3-1 up and the game's over and, and you have that second half and the points with the bag and it's out of the way. Yeah, and it won't happen as again. You are five points clear at the top, you must be happy with that. Yeah, delighted. Uh, I would have taken this at the start of the year. We know there's a lot of football to play, we understand that. Uh, but any any time you can have a five point lead is, is brilliant. And I think um, you've now officially become a long term manager, long term head coach. It's been talked about an awful lot. I'm sure lots of people have been saying it to you that uh, I think you're the longest serving head coach stroke manager since, since Ray Tracy. That in itself is an achievement for any manager. For a manager to have a job that long, it suggests that you know things are going well. Yeah, look, especially at this club because it's such a big club and it's a manning club. Well, I think um, that's credit to the, to the board that when we sat down and we had a plan that we've stuck to it. Um, and uh, it's by no means finished. We're only getting going. I think the couple in uh, was the one to kick us off but uh, like I said there's a lot of factors in there that when we sat down we knew it would take time to change um, they knew it would take time to change and, and we stuck to our plan and you're keeping your squad together as well which is important and it says an awful lot about the club yeah it does I think players want to play here now I think you look at Graham when he's leaving Preston alone he has five or six options in England, Scotland and here and the club he wants to come to is here uh, Jack yeah I think uh, it says what we're doing with this club is right that is some stat that he's the longest coach since John Giles that that genuinely I would not have if if that's a quiz question that I wouldn't have been anywhere near incredible stat yeah we need to credit Carl Riley with that because that um, that was in the match programme which I think a lot of clubs were producing hard copy match programmes so I got in the post on Wednesday so made my job doing the preview a lot easier so that went in the preview and I think it also went out on the on the commentary as well. So, but obviously, yeah, Carl Riley saw that one. But but as, managers haven't haven't stayed that long. Like Michael O'Neill was only um, uh, Michael O'Neill had three seasons at the club. Most of the nineties, there was only I don't think anybody lasted longer than about a year, did they? Uh, I know there was like Liam Buckley was there for a while. Damien Richardson was there for a while, but they kind of did kind of three seasons, which is kind of typical. Like managers don't come in like that, but Stephen Bradley talked about there about you know what the plan was and you know when he took over the squad he like pretty much cleared them out so it's been a it's been a build up but but yeah it's he just overcame Ray Tracy was the previous longest serving manager but yeah it goes back to Giles who was manager I think across six seasons between seventy seven and eighty three. Has anyone reached out to John for comment? Is he disappointed that his uh, record has been surpassed? I have a feeling he probably wouldn't. He might be on off the ball. Someone could put it to him there, text in. Yeah, no, he is. He still has the record. So, oh, sorry. Be, um, should Stephen Bradley be manager for another two seasons? I think he'll break the record. So, um, my 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 point being, John's not too fast either. <laughs> no, I don't think I, I don't. Uh, Giles didn't win much of his time at Rovers. He didn't win a league title. He won an FA Cup, so uh, Bradley's done that at least as well. Okay. All right, fair enough. They're one for one. Uh, elsewhere, a couple of the other games then. Dave, you can maybe tell us, talk to us a little bit about uh, Waterford Shells. I, it's, it's a solid start for, for Sheridan at Waterford, who I, I think you'd be forgiven in the fact that he's probably not had that long to work with them. They looked like they were scrabbling to put together a bench even, which is funny actually, McDowell, just when you were saying that the five players, I saw, you know when Stephen Bradley said there about we have such a strong bench. And it, I mean, here's a great example of, of the 
the lack of fairness for that. Because what if we're scrambling to, to, <laughs> to get a full bench together um, in, in that sense? So the five subs, I'm not too sure about. But, you know, for, from John's point of view, massive, massive win for them. They probably wouldn't have been expecting that one. Yeah, it's, um, I suppose it's, uh, I don't know about expecting it. I think everyone probably would have said that Shelburne started the season better than Waterford did, but uh, it was uh, it was a dreadful game. Um, it was really, really bad. Shells in the first half went 4-4-2, um, and Sheridan was playing basically a 4-5-1, but similar to the sort of one that Jack Charlton employed against um, Italy in the... In the uh, '94 World Cup, where it's basically you know five players behind the halfway line, and then Tommy Coyne standing up front on his own, and in this case, uh, Curtis Byrne, one of several new signings, was the was the Tommy Coyne, and he looked very kind of um, lonely up there. But it, it obviously it worked for them because for the first half they they had most of the ball and they they caused Shell's problems every time they got got on the flanks because Shelburne were playing a very narrow sort of four four two it. Carl Shepard coming in off the wing and it just they just got completely they were out top basically they, they, it was very strange tactically I don't know why it didn't change sooner but at half time they changed the 4 3 Ryan Brennan came on and and they, they finally got a foothold in the game but really the only real chances in the game fell to Waterford uh, the goal in particular was you know another case of Matty Smith got in down, down the left loads of space because there was no real um no real coordination between um, the wide men on the right-hand side for Shells crossed it in. Um, Timmy Sabawale coming back from, I don't know where he's been for the last couple of years, but he's uh, coming back to the club and he's actually a striker, but he was making his, his second debut at right back and he, he looked quite comfortable there, but he headed the ball back in. Um, Byrne had a, tried to stab it in. It was saved at close quarters by Colin McCabe, but um, just a, an, an open goal then for... Um, for uh, God, I can't remember. John Martin to 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 stick into the open net, and really, it was probably probably Waterford had the better chances to win it. But after the game, I think um, John Sheridan alluded to, I suppose the the pitch. Uh, it did look particularly kind of um, unkept, I suppose. Um, it was quite the grass was quite long. I don't know if that's a that's a a tactical decision again, but um, it wasn't really conducive to very good football. There wasn't wasn't really much football played by either side, and um, uh, Sheridan even kind of sort of suggested afterwards that um, you know, uh, the condition at the RSC is in will probably play against them at, to an extent because um, it, you know, the the surface is good and it will be conducive to to flowing football. I don't know if Sheridan has a reputation for playing flowing football or anything like it, but um. Uh, we, we'll see how that team builds over the next while, uh, particularly um, as they they brought in Daryl Murphy now, which is a a big signer for the league. Uh, Thirty six, I think, uh, international when, when, caps. When's he going to be able to play? Is he is that just down uh, to it's it? looking it's looking like about a month. He's out. He's got a calf problem that was was pre existing, so he's gonna I think he's in in light training. Um, they brought in Jake Davidson from uh, Dundee United, nineteen um, year old midfielder. He don't think he's played an awful lot of league football, but he's he's in there too. And um, Michael O'Connor has signed as well. He was at the match. Um, seems to be off the crutches from the from the injury he picked up against Rovers in pre-season or in in um, pre-restart. Um, so you know, they, I think they they do look like they're going to have a few more options, particularly up front going forward. But they they are quite light squad wise, and I think I kind of noted during the game that um, in defence only. Only Tyreek Wilson of the of the back four was actually playing in his preferred position. Um, Sam Bowen was playing centre half. So while he was playing um, right back, and um, you know it it did look a little bit unbalanced. But I suppose they're just they're just hacking together numbers at the moment. And yeah. again, but uh, with Brian Murphy alongside Alan Mans, probably the best, the best in the league as well. So I don't think they'll be conceding an awful lot of goals, but I'm not sure they'll be providing an awful lot of entertainment either. No, I think I think you can see that even your man isn't Robbie Weir, who, who's down. Who, who, I think he'd been at Chesterfield and stuff like that recently. He, he, it's a kind of like a solid yeah, player yeah. in there, plenty of, of experience in the midfield. So they seem to have, to have gone with that kind of thing, which is which is desperately needed. It, w- it will be interesting to see Sheridan though. He looks a bit of a character. I was reading his interview with with uh, Dan McDonald in the end though, and you were saying Dave about the, the pitches, and he kind of made a couple of jokes about that before talking about the quality of the league. And Shamrock Rovers saying they've got Burke and Jack Watts' name. 
Yeah, no, he he took a long time to get uh, Jake Davidson's name right. He just kept saying Jake, and he was looking over at the the Waterford press man, and he, he was like, "What's his name again?" It's Davidson. And then a minute later, he's like, "Yeah, so we've got in Jake. Uh, what's his name?" <laughs> Did like the Ipswich thing with Bills, he's which. Yeah. Um, this is Bob, last... Bobby Robson when uh, I can't remember which player it was. Uh, it was, um, he, was he was he was asked if if Bobby has a nickname for him. And he goes, yeah. And they go, what is it? And he goes, Carl Court. Yeah, Bobby had a had difficulty with a few, I think. Um, lastly, then Cork and Bowes. Before we get on, we will get on to some first division in the in the later part of the show. But Cork Bowes, obviously, Mandrew missing from that one, supposedly injured in a friendly, which I, I didn't realise. But uh, I thought he was. Yeah, he was injured early in the Longford game. Right, I thought it was interesting as well. McGuinness uh, still preferred to Talbot. I know Talbot was after making a comeback, and and to be fair to McGuinness, it's been excellent so far. Although there was that that. Moment in that game, I think it was about an hour in, uh, where he nearly gifted Keane Murphy a goal despite not kicking it out maybe a little bit earlier after closing down. And Jesus, that was that was close. That could have been an absolute howler, and that could have been him back on the bench. But yeah, it looks like um, I mean the goal was scored very early in that one, and while both sides were, it was probably again one of those very rusty games. Like there was actually moments of, of quality from each side at top, but the kind of final end product was was rusty on both accounts. Andrew Wright with the goal. It, actually, weird goal when Wright scored that because I think it was Bennett. The ball was rolling towards the line, beating McNulty after McNulty had made the original save. And Bennett has his two arms stuck out as if it's going wide. The ball rolls into the net. You can see McNulty's furious. He's like, "When you go back and throw the body to keep that off?" But um, yeah, I think I think overall, again, not not the greatest game, uh, but it probably again similar excuse, bit of rustiness about about each side. It's a lovely finish from uh, Wright, though. I suppose you could say that Andre got it right, but uh, Alan got it all wrong. <laughs> Save it for the papers, you. This is the podcast. This is work here, right? Well, look, we're we're going to chat to Rowan and Coughlin next, and then we'll talk a little bit first division later on. And there's kind of a lot of grumbling about maybe we don't have enough Premier League players, but in terms of the Championship, as a... what's the point in grumbling about it? But the step I, can, I can't hold them out. I can't. If, if they're not playing the Premier, what's the point of me grumbling? The step up to international football in the championship is it kind of is it easy to manage? Well, I tell you about when we played in 2002. And what's, what's the point of like grumbling? We had lads who were all at the bottom of the Premier League, real scrapping away. Kins and Matty Holland and uh, Gary Breen who hadn't even got a club. What's, what's the point of like grumbling? So I, I don't subscribe to that. You know, you just whatever it is, whatever I've got, I'll get them together and make the best of them and try and make sure we qualify. Grumbling is not one of the things I do. You can subscribe to each new episode of the ExtraTime.ie Sportscast on iTunes. Please give a rating or add a comment there to let us know your views. Delighted to be joined now by Ronan Coughlin of Sligo Rovers. Ronan, I was, I was going to say originally when, when we were going to have you on the show that it's sort of an ideal time in, in that, you know, you guys got your first win of the season. You played a, a bit of a stormer the first game on Watch LOI and you managed to grab a goal yourself. But then since then, the news has come true that the game tomorrow against Waterford has been suspended with one of their players presenting symptoms and needing to be tested. Uh, obviously disappointing to have an interruption already at this point, uh, sort of interrupting the flow of games. I'm not sure if you've even had a chance to, to gauge your teammates' reactions. I think you were saying to me off air there that uh, you guys had just sort of found out after training. So what's the feeling from the players or, or, or yourself even uh, with all this? Is it, is it a bit concerning? Um, look, it is what it is. Like we... Um We've obviously only kind of heard that when we were finishing training, getting ready for the game tomorrow, that, um, look, it's only, we're not sure if he hasn't been um, fully tested yet, has he? So it's only, like, symptoms. So we're obviously waiting to hear, and so is everyone else. Like, But obviously it's just a bit gotten more than anything that hopefully, like, obviously you're thinking the worst, that, like, hopefully no other games get infected or affected, say. Um, but it's, it is a bit uh, sickening, especially after the win, the good win there against Derry. And uh, Saturday, so it's, it's kind of killing momentum a little bit, but I think it's nothing we can do. We just have to get on with it now. Yeah, I suppose, especially in the groove, you guys are, are starting to get in as well after that win. I, I imagine you'll be, you'll be, it'll be, it'll be a couple of extra training sessions or something like that. Do you think, or have have you guys even had a chance to talk about that yet? No, yeah, yeah, we've got uh, obviously our schedule is going to be changed now for the week. Um, we'll be off tomorrow, or whatever, and then we'll be different training now. We'll be in the gym and stuff, so. We'll all be just getting ready now for the Shells game on Saturday, which hopefully won't be affected because they obviously played them um, on the Saturday, I think. Yeah. Whatever day they, they Walford played them, so hopefully there's nothing 
nothing comes back hopefully from the water thing and then we can always go ahead and we'll be able to play shells and look forward to that like so yeah definitely the schedule will be changed but you know we just got to do what we have to do now and if, if, we, if the game goes ahead on Saturday I imagine people who outside of the League of Ireland want to watch the Premier League and, and see that play out an uninterrupted sort of end to the season um, and how straightforward that was as well we, we mentioned earlier on the show there was a few reports here and there from clubs like like Watford and Brighton at times but that everything ran pretty smoothly um, mm. and, and it's, it's obviously not quite as straightforward from the League of Ireland here but can you tell us sort of what guidelines or rules players are, are having to follow during this for I suppose for games like what was that experience like for, for games beforehand yeah it was it was alright like I suppose since we've been coming back like it's been the same kind of procedures, like, you know, you're getting your temperature checked and social distancing and you're wearing your mask and stuff. So it's gone smoothly enough. And the game, the game was fine. You know, you turned up different, obviously way of entering the, we were obviously up in, um, brand new, uh, the Ryan McBride. We're up there and it's a different way of entering the stadium and we're all spread out, separated. It's fine. Like, I, you know, you have to do it, I suppose. So you can't really say anything, but it was fine. Obviously there's no fans, no only probably, thing that you notice most about the games but other than that it went smooth enough how, how does it affect you guys even in your interaction with each other are you always kind of conscious or is it more or less like look we're all here it's all fine we travelled up on the bus together or whatever do you know what I mean is, 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 does it affect day to day all that much nah I'd say when we first came back probably there was a few lads maybe a bit iffy or whatever it was like I suppose it's just down to whatever really um, but now like yeah now you said everyone's more comfortable around each other they're trying to keep like the distance and all that as much as you can, but like you know, what I mean, it's a contact sport, and you're training every day with each other, and then like you can't really ask that to stand away from each other. Then, so no, like as much as you can, like obviously on the bus we're spread out between the seats, but like you know, what I mean, that's going to chat away and speak to each other like it's normal. So, but no, they are doing the best they can, like and still getting our temperature checked and all that. Mm-hmm. It's a bit weird, but like it's it's all right now. All the boys are kind of calm about it, so. Hopefully we can just keep keep playing. In terms of sort of following guidelines, I was wondering as well, just with this watch LOI setup, it's probably not all that conducive, or it's probably not all that relevant to you guys because once you step out there, your your head switches to that. But I imagine broadcasting games usually means there's a bit more scrutiny on what you're doing, um, and particularly with zero crowd noise. Now I, I read that you guys had obviously been told not to swear and stuff like that, which <laughs> I cannot imagine is tough to be conscious of during the heat of the moment of the game. But is there is there I was wondering, is there fines for that kind of thing? Have you guys been spoken to for yeah. for any sort of, um, you know, what you are or aren't supposed to do, or be warned yeah. off anything? No, no, I didn't. I didn't hear anything about the non swearing. Only that someone had said it in the dressing room, but we hadn't. Like, there's no like the referees told us not to swear. There's no one in like our clubs have told us not to swear. And the pitch kind of hard, like because everything's in the heat at the moment. So, but no, there's no. I haven't heard anything like that. No, nothing's been said. Like so, but obviously because it's been broadcasted like and no fans so it'll probably be picked up but like it's in the heat at the moment like people are going to say what they're going to say on the pitch like so yeah. it is hard yeah uh, we'll, we'll just have to keep an eye out for more of that then to see if, if there's any uh, more disciplines out there for that kind of thing but look back back to the actual football then because it feels like at the moment we barely get to speak about it with everything else that's going on um, the time off seems to have done you guys a, a great bit of good um, you seem to have gotten gotten well organised fixed a few issues maybe you're having earlier in the season yeah. is, that, does that, is that how it feels? Yeah, yeah, we we like there's no getting away from it. We had a few injuries at the start of the season. Obviously, there's it's no excuses. Like we should have been performing better, but I think the boys settled in a lot. Even kind of just the end of COVID before the COVID started, we started playing a bit better. And then like, we didn't really have we were short at the back, and then there's there's boys filling in. But obviously the the break got a lot of um gave a lot of time for some of the boys to get back fit, and um. Yeah, look, we performed well then against there. We did our job and obviously kept a clean sheet. So you can see that we were defensively better. You know, we worked on a lot um, in the last four weeks or so. Um, so yeah, it's looking good. It's an interesting one as well because one of the lads flagged at me earlier that teams like Derry would have actually had a little bit more time than yourselves mm. and, and quite yeah. a few other clubs. Um, did did you guys, did it feel like pre-season then or was it like, you know, was it, was it really, really ruthless or was it just... Were you able to kind of go, look, here's stuff we were lacking in the first four games and this is what we're going to focus on all this time? Yeah, like, it's hard to say, like, was it like a pre-season again? It, it, it did feel like a pre-season, I know, but it wasn't as long. But it was in the same way, it's kind of, it's because the season is shorter as well. It's like, there's just a different feel to it. Like, it's kind of just getting it done. Like, like everyone's saying, it's more like a sprint at the moment rather than a marathon. So it's, it is a little bit different for us. 
yeah, look, we knew what we needed to work on, and uh, we were able to do that on uh, Saturday night against Derry. So obviously it came off, but pushing on forward now, we need to we need to keep the momentum. Obviously, that's what I'm saying. It's a bit gotten out of the wall for a game being off because hopefully we're hoping to be able to carry on into that and then on to shells on Saturday. But it'll probably just have to be shells then. I suppose it's yeah. I suppose it's like training for a sprint rather than training for a marathon. Then in that kind of sense. Mm. So w- watching a few of the games on Watch LOI, uh, there was a touch of roastiness throughout the league, and you can pretty much understand why that would be. On your own performance, though, how did you feel considering the time off? Because looking from the outside, I mean, not you didn't look particularly gassed at any point. But th- even there was um, a fair few really crisp touches from yourself, noticeably, which is to be fair, probably one of your your traits in the game anyway. But you know, there was none of that sort of. Um, taking the eye off and the ball rolls away there was a fair bit of um, and, and of most of the Sligo team looked very very sharp how, yeah. how did you how did you find your own performance now? did you feel at any point uh, I'm struggling here I'm running on empty no I felt good I felt good but like, there's definitely times where you do feel it sometimes like when, you, when you're making sprints whatever in behind or whatever it does take you a little minute or so like we're joking about it after a game or whatever like um, but it does take a little bit of time to kind of get back your breath back maybe for me anyway it's obviously different for, for a position but um, you do you do feel it like you do know he's been off for three months. Like let's let's be fair, and you've only had four weeks. But like it just depends on how fit you were keeping over the off season. I know all the boys were keeping to our program, and like we were doing all our work. And a lot of boys were doing more than probably what was what was needed, which is good. And you could probably tell then we were we were fit. And like you were saying, Derry obviously had I don't know if they were back six weeks compared to our four weeks, or were they back even earlier than that? Like, and I was thinking about that in my head before the game. These boys would probably be flying fit compared to us. But like you wouldn't really, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have known. So that in that way, it's been good, yeah. Your own performance, I suppose, it was good enough for the team on the social media to tweet about uh, stream this man on watch LOI before you you put him on. We put yeah. him on OnlyFans. I can't imagine yeah, that's imminent. Sligo Sligo fans will be waiting a bit longer on that, I'd say. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what's going on there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they'll be waiting all over that, <laughs> Talk to me about the, the peno and the run-up. A lot of people hate the, the shimmy, the stop and all that, but it was, and again, showed the, the concentration levels high even at that point. Uh, pretty confident stepping up and, and you don't mind a bit of the, the run-up and the shimmy and the stop and all that? No, no, it's something I've been working on for a while, so um, I've been practicing it for a while, so it's obviously probably just, I've had a few people say like they were all nervous watching it and like saying whatever about the stop was, yeah, I've been practicing for a while now, so I'm confident doing it. Is that just do you notice the keeper? Is is it like what people say? You notice the keeper's slight movement beforehand, and you're able to to make your mind up, or is is it all just part of the mind games? No, yeah, of course. Like the keeper, keeper wants to save the penalty too. Like he, like he's obviously if you keep your head down and just strike the ball, the keeper's going to cheat. Like the keeper wants to jump one side, so like you say, it is a bit of mind games. He wants to save it and he wants to score, so kind of who, who's going to jump first well it bodes well for you guys now that you're you're back on track even with this game um you know postponed that that you know things are looking good for you again even i suppose in the, in the run-up to this you'll just have to do a bit of the same and a bit of the planning for the saturday game and obviously you've got the the new signing that a lot of people were talking about uh, junior mm. coming into the team now as well considering the goals he, he brought to Derry, i imagine you guys would be pretty pleased with that addition yeah, no, definitely. We um, he obviously hasn't trained with us yet because he's I said, quarantined for two weeks. He kind of, I think he's coming in at like the boys. We're all training in the morning or whatever, and I think he comes in around the afternoon and uh, he's working with the coaches. Probably isn't great because he's probably just doing some running on his own. But um, yeah, he's obviously it's a, it's a big sign in his name. He's top goal scorer last year. Something that we need a winger that can score goals and can get into the into the mix. And look, he's a, he's going to be a good player for us. So. It's obviously great for us going forward. So hopefully, uh, he, I don't think he's available till probably after the show game. So I think sooner we can get him in, the better. Anyway, mm. I hadn't even thought of, you know I, I thought of that for the for the match itself that he wasn't available due to quarantine. But I hadn't even thought about what he'd been doing off the pitch. And and apart from mm. um, not being able to train with you guys, he's probably not been able to interact much at all with you no. guys so far. How, how like. I imagine once he does, it'll be a totally different story if you get him right in. And, and as you said, trying, yeah. to, trying to try, certainly from your own point of view and, and whoever's up there with yourselves, be uh, form a bit of a relationship in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. Like we seen last year, he's obviously a really good player, so probably won't take him while. It won't take him long to settle in. Um, but yeah, obviously, it's just a bit shit that um, he has to do the quarantine. and can't really train with us, but I'm sure once he gets in and gets the full swing, like he'll be quality for us. Mm. Well, your next game, as you said, shells on Saturday, still a while away. But uh, how will you guys maintain, I suppose, the intensity and and the yeah, 
what, what's, what's the plans for the meantime? I know you're, you're fairly, where you were certainly through quarantine, fairly busy on Twitch. Uh, and, and we even spoke to you for the, for the FIFA tournament um, for cystic fibrosis and all that a while back. So uh, mm-hmm. any more of that or is it, is it all just training now? Yeah, no, a lot of it's just training. Obviously, it's going to change now, like I said, because the game will be in the gym and stuff. We'll be doing um, weights and um, a lot of it will be just training and getting ready, recovering as well. Like, obviously, we just played um, against Derry. So, even today, like we're training today, kind of just ended up making it into a tougher session than it would have been once we found out the news. We stayed on a bit longer and did a bit more work. Um, but, yeah, it'll just be more on grass and getting keeping the momentum and keeping staying fit and stuff. So, it'll literally be just more the same, yeah. And just lastly, I saw Liam Buckley talking, uh, I think it was in the sun the other day, just saying he was sick as a pig at the stoppage when he saw that Sligo were at the bottom. And, and I imagine you're all feeling that kind of way. But um, how, how did, did Liam get that across to you guys? I imagine there's a bit of, come on, look, we're miles better than this, you know? Yeah, no, look, at everyone knows, like, it's not like, well, everyone on the team, I mean, like, it's not like we can't, we can't see it ourselves. Like, we're obviously training every day. We know there's quality in the group. We've had a, we had a sticky start. Like, like I said, we had a few injuries, but it's no excuse. Um, I think when you just look around the dressing room and you see the players and especially junior coming in as well, we know we know that we've got quality. Like we just need to be able to just get it out of us, which obviously we did against Derry and hopefully we can do going forward. Ronan, look, thanks a million for taking time to chat to us and best of luck on Saturday when you do eventually get to get back to action. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. And you're joined by uh, Daniel Corcoran. Daniel, professional footballer from Dublin. Just outside the city, Fibsborough, Scotland. Right. Who'd you play for? Bohemians FC. The Bohemians. <laughs> Might have 189 not written down. Oh, sorry, it's gone. Oh, Corcoran. Daniel? I think I have 829. Uh, hundreds minus 9 times by 9. It's 819. And add the 10. Very nicely done. 829. Well done. Start with a constant, please. Constant, please, Karen. Right, well, let's talk a little bit about the first division then. We neglected it a bit last week. Um, big issue with the streams for Galway Longford. They've sort of defied the FEI uh, and gone ahead and streamed the game. Bit of difficulty around this in that it came through very late. I mean, we did the show release last week by the time this came out, so we weren't really able to get into it. But uh, well, what are your thoughts on this, lads? It seems from my point of view like that this wasn't made clear. It seems to have been a lack of clarity on the FEI's side. And, and as a result, teams like Galway were a bit like, well, look, we're after going for all this hassle. We've got this all set up. You can't tell us now. Is the issue charging people to watch the games? They can show them for free, but they can't charge for them, which is basically what happened was three weeks ago when, when the Watch LOI platform was being, um, being formalised, uh, the clubs were basically told that they could do what they want. And then last week, two days before the game started, the FAI, I think they had a meeting with a few club delegates, but then they sent out this um, this letter, all the clubs basically saying that um, while you're free to stream, stream games, you're not permitted to charge for them. And it was worded in a way that very much suggested that it was due to the Watch LOI, um, the Watch LOI platform. Um, I, it's hard to know exactly what it is. I think there is an issue in terms of because the first division clubs are being paid a cut of the the Watch LOI platform, there's an idea that it's not fair that the first division clubs can then go and stream their games and sell them. Uh, the, the flip side of that is that some of the first division clubs have invested quite heavily in broadcast, broadcasting equipment on the understanding that they could sell streaming passes to cover their costs. Um, I'm not sure the exact breakdown of how things are working in the Premier Division, but my understanding is that the, there's no cost to the clubs to broadcast the games. It's all being covered by the FAI Watch LOI program, so there is a difference there, and I can see why. I can see why the first division clubs are quite perturbed that, although they are getting a share of the ink, of the revenue from Watch LOI, they have also invested now, and several of the clubs are now in a situation where they spent money and they're not able to recoup it. So there's, mm. there's two sides of it. Yeah, it's a, it's a complex one. It's, I mean, the, the rules aren't all set out and written there from the start, then people are going to find these situations arising. So unfortunately, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's another messy one that, look, this is going to drag on. We're probably going to get updates for this for the next few weeks. So I expect to be talking about this again in, in the coming weeks and months. In the meantime, let's talk about a few of the games. Dave, you were at UCD Longford. Yeah, it was a... Uh... I suppose a decent enough return to action, no goals. UCD were 
the better side. Um, particularly in the first half, Longford looked completely lost. UCD looked very impressive. Back to the old UCD that we know, the sort of free passing, one-touch football, nobody can get near them. For the entire first half, it was just all UCD. But the one thing they were lacking was, I guess, a final ball. They didn't really create any clear-cut chances. Longford made a couple of changes uh, early in the second half, and they did come back into it, probably the better side for the second half. They brought on Dylan Grimes, who was probably the, the first person in the game who really started to create. But although UCD had most of the play and I think were overall the better side, it was long for to create the better chances. But uh, on balance, I think nil-nil was a, a fair enough result. And just from speaking to Andy Myler after the game, he was kind of in agreement that, you know, they, there's a lot of positives. They've um, having, having had the last month or so with the players all off college, um, they've actually been able to do more pre-season, if you call it preparation, than they would in any other window, certainly not before the actual season started. So they do look very impressive, very well drilled, very fit. Um, they did look, at least for about 50, 55 minutes, they looked a step ahead of Longford. But um, I think both of those teams maybe will, they'll maybe struggle for consistent goals this season, but they do both look sound defensively as well. So just in terms of the of the, of the first division, I think uh, Cabin Taylor are already racing ahead. But you know, with a shortened season, who knows how things are going to go? Those two teams in particular look look good bets that they could um, could potentially get into a playoff situation and give anybody a game. Yeah, you mentioned Cabin Taylor there, so we'll come on to them next. A really strong start to the season for them overall, uh, thanks to goals from from Kevin Knight and Shane Barnes. They're now five points clear. Galway, to be fair to them, missing a fair few players for that. I, I did see, even when I was having a look at, at betting and stuff like that around the games, I thought, geez, Cabo are very, very big for this, considering I'm reading the team news on extratime.ie, there seems to be like six or seven players uh, missing for Galway at the time. So it feels like this will be a different Galway team. I think they're down eighth at the moment, so it feels like probably a different Galway team in the next few weeks. Uh, and again, same stuff with, with the... This issue of the streaming games, uh, they've been very, very vocal in that they're, look, we're going ahead with it anyway, so they're not, not listening to this kind of stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see what, what comes from each of these sides. Cabo, interesting considering, I mean, they did lose. I know they've recruited well, but they did lose players like Manly. I would have thought we'd see some, some fall away, but it doesn't seem to have been the case. They're flying it. I think they scored 10 goals in their four games so far, so going very, very strong indeed. McDar, you were at Rovers 2 or Rovers II or... I, I genuinely can't remember what we're calling them anymore. You're at Rovers, Drogheda anyway. Um, and, and we're going to hear from Tim Clancy after the game in a minute on that. But just with Liam Scales playing there, you, you might tell me how exactly that, that's working. Yeah, there was a bit of confusion yesterday because um, Liam Scales is 21 and I was going, well, maybe he's eligible to play in this team. But no, I was talking to Aidan Price after the game. And so the, the players that are in... Rovers' first division squad are born 1999 or, or later. So uh, Scales is born in, in 98, so he is, he is too old. Rovers are allowed one overage outfield player from their senior squad um, and also a goalkeeper. So Leon Poles is playing a goal. He, the German, he's 24 years old. So, so that's what the, the rules are. It was a, bit, a little bit different the last time when Rovers were in the first division in 2014, they were allowed three overage players. But having said all that, because they're allowed name a squad of, of you know, those born 99 and, and later, like they were able to have um, Dean Williams in the team and he was a sub the previous day in Stephen Bradley's team. Um, and Brandon Kavanagh has also been a sub once this season for Stephen Bradley's team. He, he, he played the game and he was a playmaker. He um, got the assist for both goals, corners, like Liam Scales scored within 40 seconds. So, so yeah, that's just to kind of clarify why, uh, kind of how Liam Scales is available. So he'd been on the bench, but an unused sub in Rovers' Premier Division game against Finn Harps the, the, the previous day. So, so despite all that, and as you said, Scales scoring in 45 seconds, um, and a red card from Hughes about three or four minutes later, Drogheda pulled one back and then went on to, to equalise in the game. Not, not an ideal result. Price mustn't have been too pleased about that. No, he, he wasn't. But really, Rovers should have won. Um, Thomas Lewis hit the post. Dean Williams hit the crossbar. With two really good chances where they just should have just put them away and the game would have been over. But, um, you know, Drogheda played very well and they were probably deserved. I think they deserved to have played with 10 men for, for nearly an hour. Like, they... 
Tim Clancy made a couple of quick changes. He brought one player on, uh, Luke Keeney, who then got injured six minutes later with a fairly strong tackle. There was a bit of debate whether that should have been a red card as well, but Clancy didn't didn't think so, which I thought was quite fair. Him, it was in front of, it was in front of of him. He said it was a pretty strong tackle. Um, but I think the key was they got a goal back. Um, you know, at um, you know that that they were able then to kick on. Um, and Rovers were just a little bit but naive. Like they'd, in three of their four games, they've let goals in equalizers or a concession in the last kind of five minutes. So, like they let in a winner against Cavendish in injury time, 86 minutes, I think, Galway equalized in the last home game. So, so yeah, it was a little bit disappointing. But um, maybe the other thing of note was Rovers brought on this player, Kevin Zeffi, who's only 15, who there's been a bit of paper talk about. Inter Milan and PSV Eindhoven looking after him. So so he came on with about 15 minutes to go and showed a couple of nice touches as well. But um, while it is about developing players at Rovers, and that's what Price was talking about, you still want to come away and get a win when you can. And they've played four games now and uh, I've yet to win a game. Let's hear from Tim Clancy now then. And a big thanks to Adrian Taff from LMFM who, who uh, passed us on this audio. Yeah, it was a very entertaining game. Um... Not for me or Aiden on the sideline. But no, uh, I think uh, they started the game really well. And um, right from the kickoff, they put a ball where Jimmy should have had it away. And he's tried to go back to the keeper and we give away a corner. And then they score within 40 seconds of the start of the game. And uh, it sort of puts us in the back foot. And we didn't really get going. Um, found ourselves tuning down from another set piece, uh, which is very frustrating. Conceding two goals from two corners. And then um, Sparky gets sent off after half an hour or whatever it was in 28 minutes. And... We started looking at it and we hadn't started well and we made a couple of changes and um, from that point on I thought the, the energy levels and the application and everything else was very, very good and uh, we were delighted to get a point in the end. Let's talk about the, the sending off. I, I almost said two sending offs because there was uh, the, certainly the press box was a bit polarised on the challenge on Luke Heaney. What did you make first of the Mark Hughes sending off and then the challenge on Luke? I think uh, Marks is a red card. He's he's taken a heavy touch and Liam Scales has read it and he's sort of tried to make up for it and he's lunged in and he's caught Liam. So it's a red card and no problems with that one. Um, and then the Rovers players is sort of lunged in as well. Uh, the difference is he's got the ball but he's had a straight leg and he's had a studs up and uh, he's caught Luke. Uh, two of them hit the ball at the same time and uh, I don't know what the rules are but I think it's dangerous play if you dive in like that and. Uh, I thought it could have been a red card, but uh, Adriano says he didn't see it. So listen, you get some, and you, you, you win some. You have some on your side, and you, you don't get them. So uh, yeah, listen. After that, then uh, I thought we were excellent. We brought on um, James Clark after that stage, and I thought he was, he was superb coming on and gave us that little bit of quality on the ball and take it in tight areas. And he turned a few times and slipped a few balls in, nearly scored himself. And with Brandon Birmingham as well, that gave us a lot of energy on that on that side of the pitch with uh, Doyle and. Listen, I thought we were excellent to try it then, man, man for man after that, I thought we were fantastic and uh, to come away with a draw after being 2-0 down after 20 odd minutes um, away from home, um, it's, it's a real positive. Yeah, coming into the game you were no doubt favourites to win it, uh, given your position in the table and that this is a Shamrock Rovers B-side, but that was more than a Shamrock Rovers B-side, so there was lots of quality in that side this afternoon. They're very good footballers, very, very good footballers and... Uh, they pass around well, they pick it up in uh, really dangerous areas and awkward areas to defend and they're a really good team and we watched them here against Galway and they should have won that game. Um, so I know they only lost in the last minute out in Cabo and away from home in uh, Longford as well. They were very competitive in their first game so I think they'll get stronger as the season goes on and um, they'll play. Um, they'll obviously take a lot of points this season. They're a very, very good team and um, listen, should their finishing have been a bit more uh, on song today or the final ball a bit more quality they, they would have won the game by uh, a number of goals so listen we're happy enough to, to get away with um, get away with a point Wexford got their first win uh, against Athlone didn't look like goal time was going to happen they went one up and Manning managed to pull one back for Athlone who are, who are still rooted to the bottom of the league there uh, with nine goals conceded but Wexford's still an interesting one a little bit of um, work in progress at the moment by the looks of it a 3-1 win for them but it's, it's interesting a win like that puts them into fourth you know, so it shows yeah, you there's, there's only there's only four games played, so yeah. it's um, early days. Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Or, or it is early enough days, but no, it, it gets them up and about. Like say, Cabin Tealy, uh four wins, 
I've, I've been very impressive. So, um, but yeah, early days, as you say. I should highlight with um, the streams and stuff like that, as you mentioned, even t- teams like Wexford, they, they weren't able to stream games, but they did manage to show replays on their Facebook and stuff like that. So yeah, think- and, and Drada put up their goals pretty quickly um, after the game as well, which I think was, which was, which I think was great. Absolutely. Just before we do wrap up, actually, uh, the passing of, of John Hume, just before we're recording here as well, is an interesting one, obviously affiliated with Derry City, having been their president. And uh, it was something actually I, I was a bit ignorant to. I didn't even realise until Dave mentioned it to me there off air. But I, I thought, you know, plenty of respects being paid and all that. Uh, our very own Turlock Kelly, who, who did the Italian 90 podcast, was a very, very interesting tweet from him. So I just thought I'd flag this one. Uh, an underrated aspect of John Hume's origin story is that he was a promising left arm spinner for City of Derry Cricket Club until their premises started being burned down by sectarian gangs. So, did not know that. Didn't know yeah, he was a cricket club. Yeah, really interesting guy behind it all with, with all of this kind of stuff. So, uh, our deepest sympathies, obviously, to, to John's friends and family and, and to the club at this time, who I'm sure will pay their respects as well. That's it from us again for this week. We'll be back next week. A big thanks to yourself, McDara and Dave, and also to Ronan Cochran for coming on to chat to us. We'll speak to you next week. Bye.